Thanks for joining us online today. We're really glad you're with us. Yeah, Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And we want you to come see us at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can be of any support to you, we'd love to connect with you. There's lots of links in the description below, whether that's prayer or support in any way. We pray that this message is going to both encourage you and inspire you. Man, I'm just wondering, is there anybody here who can testify to the goodness of God this morning? You know, we've been in a season of new beginnings, and that's what we witnessed here this morning. We witnessed new beginnings with that child dedication, that, that child is, is being dedicated to the Lord, and, and that family has a new beginning. And with the baptism, that's a new beginning. That's a new life and in, in, in new life in creation, right? So we're just so thankful this morning for the new beginnings. And I don't think that God is done yet this morning. I be, go ahead. <laughs> I believe with my whole heart this morning that God wants to set some people free. And He wants to set you free so you can walk into your new beginning. Well, if you're new here, my name is Paula and I'm one of the pastors. And we are so glad that you have walked into this place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. If you've brought your Bibles and want to get a head start, we're going to be in Nehemiah 4. If you don't have a Bible, two apps that are great to use. One of them is Bible Hub and the other one is YouVersion. You definitely want to have YouVersion because that is the app that we use for our devotionals that we go through together as a church. And right now we're in a Lent devotional, so you want to be able to follow right along. We are in a sermon series called The Way of Jesus because we know that following Jesus isn't just a one-time decision but it is actually a way of life. And this series is based on Jesus' most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're new to Scripture, the very beginning of the sermon starts with what's known as the Beatitudes. And throughout this series, we're going to look each week at one of the Beatitudes. Today, we are looking at Matthew 5-4, and we're going to read it together, I think. <laughs> We're going to read it together. There we go. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Today we're going to be looking at a, a time in Scripture where God's people have suffered a great loss, and, and they are mourning, but it's also a story of restoration and rebuilding. If, um, again, if you're new to Scripture, this is a story, this is Nehemiah rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And this is a wall that is around the city of Jerusalem, and it had been torn down by the enemy of God's people. And Nehemiah, he's not anybody special. He's not a prophet or a priest or a king. He's just a regular guy minding his own business. And God tapped him on the shoulder and said, I want you to lead my people in rebuilding the wall. 
We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. But we're going to pick up the story when the wall was about halfway completed. This is Nehemiah chapter 4, starting at verse 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. They were halfway through the process. This is a major uh, construction process, and they are worn out, and they're tired, and they're probably wanting to quit. They said, there's so much rubble to be moved. There's so much of the past that needs to be cleared out. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. They're like, it's too long of a process. It's too hard. This project is too big, and they're discouraged. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then, as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Father, we just come before you today and we just thank you, first of all, for the new beginnings that we've already witnessed, your goodness that we have seen today. And Father, we thank you that you're not done, that you're gonna set people free today. So today, we just, we just open up our ears to hear. We open up our hearts to receive from you. And we just invite your Holy Spirit into this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, most of you know that Curtis and I have five boys. When our fourth-born son, his name is Daniel, when he was about five years old, he lost his first tooth. And we were so excited for him, and we do the whole tooth fairy thing, so we took his tooth and put it inside a little container, we tucked it under his pillow, and put him to bed. Well, about an hour after I had gone to bed, you know when you're in that really good, deep sleep? Here comes Daniel in my room, and he's crying. And he's holding both his hands up on his mouth. And I ask him, what's wrong, buddy? And he tells me, I'm like, what? It's the middle of the night. I'm half asleep. I can't figure out what he's saying. So I pull at his hand to get it away from his mouth so I can understand him. It is glued to his face. He had gotten into the glue. He had glued all of his fingers together on both hands and glued them to his face. Why? I was in my REM sleep. You know, this is a time in your parenting life where 
Your prayer each day is, Lord, can I just have one good REM cycle of sleep? (laughs) So I asked him why he was into the glue. And do you know, he was trying to glue his tooth back into his mouth. I'd never seen anything like this before. This is kid number four. None of the other boys did this. I mean, they were all cashing in on the tooth fairy. When I asked him, why would you try to glue it back in? He said, I don't want to grow up. Well, Well, this ended up being a prophetic moment in his life because 10 years later, he would play the part of Peter Pan in his school play. But in this moment in his five-year-old little life, Daniel was stuck between not wanting to let go of the past and being afraid of the future. And in a five-year-old's life, this was a great loss, and he was mourning. Today, we're going to talk about blessed are those who mourn. And I have to tell you, I have struggled with this verse. I mean, blessed are those who mourn. I don't feel blessed when I mourn. And we've all been there. We've all had times of mourning, times when we've suffered loss, times when it just feels like life is spiraling out of control. That might be you today. You might be mourning a loss as you came in today. Maybe you've gone through a divorce and you're mourning the loss of that relationship. Or maybe you're mourning the death of someone close to you. Maybe you're, you're depressed and you're mourning the life that you used to enjoy. Maybe you've suffered a trauma and you're mourning who you used to be before that trauma. During these times, we don't feel blessed. And we don't really want to be comforted. We just want our life back. We want our joy back. And let's be honest, we want control back. There's things that we have the power to control, but some things we just can't fix. But God can take what is broken inside us and he can restore us and rebuild us. We are blessed in the restoration and we are comforted in the rebuilding. So I ask you today, what is it in your life that you've lost and you can't get it back? What is stressing you out and no amount of glue or duct tape can fix it? What's just so overwhelming, just thinking about it? We can look back at our past and we can think, nothing's changed. Nothing's happening for me. I see things happening and changing for other people, but for me, nothing has changed. In fact, it's gotten worse, and the future doesn't look any better. I mean, how am I going to 
restore that relationship? How am I going to get out of debt? How am I going to raise this kid? Or how am I going to go to college? Or how am I going to retire? Maybe, maybe you're a Raiders fan. like Pastor Brad, and you don't feel blessed. In fact, you're mourning, and you don't want to be comforted. You just want Derek Carr back. I promised him I wouldn't talk about the Chiefs today, so... That's not true. In moments like this, worry and fear can set in, and we can feel like my little Daniel, and we can feel like like we're stuck in the past, and we just aren't ready for the future. We're not that powerful to go back into the past and change things, and we're not that powerful to control the outcome of the future. But there are things that we have the power to do. If you're taking notes, write this down. Mourning gives us the power to let go of the past. As we look at Nehemiah's story, we're gonna back up just a little bit before he went to rebuild the wall. Like I said, he's just a regular guy. He's nobody special. He's not a prophet or a priest or a king. He didn't even live in Jerusalem. He lived in Persia. He was the cupbearer to the king. And what that means is that he was in charge of uh, serving the king his wine. But he had to ensure that the wine wasn't poisoned. So he had to guard the wine, and at times he had to taste it. He had to taste the wine to see if it was bad. This is something Curtis does to me all the time. We go out to dinner, and he always gets his big sweet tea. And he'll take a big gulp of it and go, That tastes bad. Here, you try it. No. I can just imagine the the king with his glass of wine swirling it around, looking at it. Doesn't look quite right. Hey, Nehemiah, come here. You know, I'm kind of thinking my wine looks a little poisoned. You try it. This was Nehemiah's job. It's no wonder he wanted to go rebuild a wall. But Nehemiah's brother comes to town, and Nehemiah asks him about the condition of the wall. And his brother tells him that it's still torn down. It hasn't been rebuilt. And Nehemiah is distraught. Nehemiah says, when I heard this, I sat down. And I wept. He was so overwhelmed that he had to sit down. And isn't this what people tell us to do when they're delivering bad news to us? They say, you better sit down. When he hears about the condition of the wall, he's greatly saddened. So what's so significant about this wall? 
Well, this isn't like a wall around the building. This is a massive wall around the city of Jerusalem. It is two and a half miles long, on average 40 foot high and eight foot wide. It is a beast. But this wall around Jerusalem, it, it stood for their safety and their security and even their identity because God said, I'm going to set this city apart. I'm going to set my people apart because the people were, were worshiping all different gods. And God said, I'm going to set you apart, my people apart, to be a witness to the world that I am the only one true God. When that wall came down, they felt the loss of their safety, their security, and even their identity. We felt that when the Oklahoma City bombing happened, when we saw images of the building half gone. It shook us. This was right here in our own state, in our own backyard. These things don't happen to us. They don't happen here. They happen to other people in other places. And we felt the loss of our safety and our security and even our identity as Americans. We are a strong country whose walls can't be breached. But they were. And we sat down and we wept. When trauma crisis hits, when we lose our job, our marriage is in turmoil, our kids messed up, a loved one dies, we can lose our sense of safety and security and even our identity. Nehemiah says that for days I mourned. And actually, later in Scripture, he says that he mourned for four months. It's not healthy for us to, to take our emotions and, and just shove them under a rug and not deal with it. But it's also not healthy for us to let grief take over our lives. We have to mourn in a healthy way for a healthy period of time. But how do we know what's healthy and for how long? Well, what does Nehemiah do? He says, I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. He went through it with God. Going through it with God brings us comfort. And in fact, his name, Nehemiah, means the God who comforts. Some of you don't know me. Many of you do. But you might not know my story, my journey. Over the years, I have struggled with my mental health. I have had long seasons of major depression and severe anxiety. And during those times, I was mourning, but I didn't feel blessed. 
about 10 years ago when I was in the middle of, of depression, I didn't want to be comforted. I wanted my pain to go away. And just the, the last few years, I dealt with extreme anxiety and panic attacks to the point that I had to take medical leave. I didn't want to be comforted. I wanted my life back. While I was on medical leave, one way that I mourned and healed with God was by journaling through the Psalms. The Psalms is, is a, a book written by real people crying out to God with human emotions. And one of the Psalms that just meant so much to me that it was a promise to me from God that I really held on to was Psalm 40, verse 1 and 2. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. I would read this. I would write it out. I had it plastered all over my house. I put it in my phone. I set reminders on my phone. So throughout the day, my phone would ding and remind me, God hears you. He's lifting you out. He's, he's setting you on solid ground. If we mourn with God, our pain turns to healing. But sometimes we don't mourn with God. Sometimes we, we mourn by ourselves or we don't mourn at all. Sometimes, instead of mourning, we, we just try to kill the pain with medication, drinking, drugs, eating, shopping, binge-watching, mindlessly scrolling on social media. Sometimes we, we just want to bury the pain. So we, we dig a grave. And we put our pain in it, and, and we try to cover it up and bury it. And so we, we take a shovel, and we, we shovel it, and we bury it with anger. And we bury it with bitterness. And we bury it with unforgiveness. But it's not dead. It's just buried alive. It's still alive within us. We can still hear it. We can still sense it. We can still feel it. And the pain, it breathes down our necks. You know that pain. You know that hurt, the regret, the sin. It's been years, and you're still talking about it. You're still thinking about it. It still has the power to take you to dark places in your mind. It's the last thing you think about when you go to sleep. And it's the first thing you think about as you wake up. I know, because I've been there. And honestly, I didn't want to deal with my pain or let it go. So I buried it. 
and it caused me to suffer from severe depression. Now, during that time, I, I sought help from professionals. I was on medication. I saw a therapist for years. And I want to tell you today that I am a full believer in professional help because it saved my life. But I didn't mourn with God. In fact, I, I struggled with God. I struggled with my faith. I, I didn't know what I believed anymore. For five years, I struggled with depression, and I struggled with my faith. And then one day, I cried out to God. Do you know what he told me? He told me that the first two years of depression, it had a hold of me. It had a grip on me. But the next three years, I had a hold of it. He said I was carrying it in my back pocket. It had become my go-to. That when anything in life happened, I wasn't reaching out for God. I was retreating into depression. I wrote in my journal during that time that Depression was my best friend, was always loyal and always there for me. It had become my safety, my security, and even my identity. But this was a lie straight from the pit of hell, but I believed it. But God told me, you can't reach down for depression and reach up for me at the same time. He said, you're going to have to choose. I had to choose to turn away from depression, to turn to God. My safety, my security, my identity had to come from him. It wasn't until I allowed God into my pain that I was able to mourn and to be healed. And we are blessed in the healing. Healthy healing comes from mourning with God. And Nehemiah, he's, he's found himself in a tricky spot because he had mourned for four months, but now he's feeling the burden from God to move out of mourning and into action. Guys, calling him to lead his people to rebuilding the wall. But Nehemiah needed the king's permission. But he wasn't permitted as the cupbearer to show sadness in front of the king. So the king had no idea what Nehemiah had been going through for the past four months. Nehemiah had put on a mask and pretended like everything was okay. We don't ever do that, do we? Come on. Some of you did that coming in here today. You got stuff going on in your life, and you came in here and said, hey, how's it going? It's going great. Yeah. Some of you said, I'm okay. 
and you're not okay. We can pretend to be okay for, for months and even for years. How do I know this? Because that's what I did. When I was in depression, I didn't tell anybody. I was so embarrassed. And I was ashamed. I was leading a ministry. I'm not supposed to struggle. I'm supposed to be the strong one. I'm supposed to have enough faith. I'm supposed to know how to pray. I'm supposed to be blessed. What I forgot to allow myself to be was human. And, and you might say, well, wait a minute. Human? I thought we were supposed to be like Jesus. This whole sermon series is called The Way of Jesus, right? Yes. And Scripture tells us that Jesus wept. We can forget that Jesus was human. He was fully human and fully divine. And he was so overwhelmed by the loss of his friend that he wept. If Jesus mourned, so should we. And can I tell you that it's okay to not be okay? Mental health struggles, we, we keep them a secret. And I don't understand why, because when we have the flu, we tell everybody. <laughs> I was coughing and hacking, had stuff coming out both ends. Some of you are a little too descriptive, just <laughs> FYI. We wear COVID like a badge. But mental health, it's like Bruno. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about Bruno, and we don't talk about depression. We don't talk about Bruno, and we don't talk about anxiety. But did you know that mental health is now ranked the number one cause of disability worldwide over cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. And people don't want to talk about it. But they need to talk about it. You know what I love about this place? This is a safe place. Because we are a body of broken people who have found the hope, healing, peace, and purpose of Jesus. We talk about Bruno. We talk about depression. We talk about anxiety. We talk about addiction. We talk about our struggles, and we heal together. We, we talk about it from the stage we talk about it with the prayer team. Every week at the end of service, our, our prayer team is up front, and, and we bring to them our struggles, and we talk about it, and they pray with us. We talk about it in our core teams and in our core groups. We talk about it just standing in the lobby talking to somebody who cares about us. We don't do life alone. 
healthy healing comes from mourning with people. Write this down. Mourning gives us the power to let go of the past. I'm going to repeat that. Mourning gives us the power to let go of the past and look forward to the future. But you know what? Fear keeps us from moving forward. The enemy comes for us. Verse 12 says, the Jews who lived near the enemy, will you tell the person next to you, don't live near the enemy? (laughs) Can I tell you that if you are living near the enemy, move. So they came and told us again and again and again and again and again and again. That's that tape that rolls through your head. You're not going to make it. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. (laughs) You're not worthy. You're not forgivable. The enemy will come from all directions and attack us. The enemy attacks the promise. We try to have faith. We try to stand on God's word. We try to believe the promises, but the enemy takes the very words of God and twists them. He makes you question your promise, makes you question your understanding of the promise, makes you question your worthiness of the promise. God gave me a promise to be a speaker and a writer. And man, the enemy came against me and attacked my dream. When I had to go on medical leave for anxiety and panic attacks, it was because I had physically collapsed. I was diagnosed as physically and emotionally exhausted. And it would take me 18 months to recover. During the first part of that, my body was so exhausted that I couldn't even sit up. My mind was so exhausted that I didn't have the cognitive ability to read or to write. And as I laid on my couch, I just wondered, how do I believe a promise that is nowhere in sight? This is never going to happen for me. But something Pastor Brad tells us to do is to hold on to Jesus and never let go. When I went through depression, I let go. I went through it without God. So this time I was determined. I'm going to hold on to Jesus. I'm going to hold on to the promise. And as I laid on my couch, I stood on God's promise. And last year, I began to preach. I published four devotionals and I'm working on a book. And I am standing here before you today sharing my story because I want you to have hope. 
I want you to know that healing is possible. God has a plan for you. He has a dream for you. Do you have a promise from God? Do you have a scripture that you are standing on for the restoration of your marriage, for the deliverance from addiction, for freedom from shame? Are you standing on a promise for a job, for friends, for healing? And you might be thinking, you don't know my story. You don't know my situation. I don't know that there is a promise for me. There was a man named Everett R. Storms who read through the Bible and decided to write down all of the promises in the Bible. It took him over a year and a half but he recorded over 7,000 promises in the Bible. There is a promise for you. Tell the person next to you, there is a promise for you. Now tell your second choice with attitude, there's a promise for me. There is a promise for you. Either you believe it or you don't. It's there whether you believe it or not. But if you don't believe it, you will never see it. Write this down. Mourning gives us the power to live in the present. So Nehemiah says they, he's talking about the enemy, they were just trying to intimidate us imagining that they could, say this with me, discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with what? Say it with me, even greater determination. The enemy kept trying to intimidate them and stop the work. How often do we stop and listen to the enemy? We should never stop to listen to the enemy. Now, Nehemiah, he has let go of the past. He has grabbed hold of a promise of, from God for the future. And so now he continues in the present with even greater determination. Around here, what we say is keep moving. That's what Nehemiah is doing. He does not stop to listen to the enemy. He stays on the wall. Why? Nehemiah understood that he was not called just to rebuild a wall. He was rebuilding a nation. He was rebuilding their safety. He was rebuilding their security. He was rebuilding their identity. He understood his why, and he stayed on the wall to show God's glory. God wants to rebuild you. So what is it that you, you're trying to rebuild your finances? a career, your marriage, a relationship, your reputation. Nehemiah says, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Our why has to be tied to God. And say this with me, fight for your brothers. Oh, come on. If you're going to fight, you got to fight harder than that. Say it with me. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, 
your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Our why has got to be tied to loving people. But you might be thinking, fight? All I want is out. I want out of depression, out of anxiety, out of fear, out of pain, out of addiction, and, and you can get discouraged. You might be halfway through the process and you, you want to stop the healing, stop the work because it's, it's taking too long. It's too hard. But you have to continue. You have to fight. You got to know your why. My family needs me. My kids need me. God has a purpose far greater for me than anything the enemy can do to me. If you don't know your why, you're going to come down off that wall. But if you know your why, you can stand on that wall and say, Satan, I am too busy for you. I am not going to listen to you. You are not taking my safety. You are not taking my security. You are not taking my identity. I have a promise from God, and I am not going to let it go. We have to fight. I had to fight. I had to fight for me. I had to fight for my kids. I had to fight for my marriage. I had to fight for God's purpose in my life. I had to fight so I could one day stand here before you and tell you, you're going to be okay. You're going to find yourself again. You will overcome. By the power of the blood of Christ, you will overcome. My why was for you. I want to see people set free. And I know you want to see people set free. So you have to fight so one day you can stand before someone and tell them, you're going to be okay. Your pain, your past, your regrets, they all have to die to Christ. That's the power of the resurrection. God is resurrecting you. You have the power to let go of the past. You have the power to look forward to the future. And you have the power to live in the present. Do you believe that, church? We're going to come into a time now of reflection and communion. I'd like you to bow your heads. You know, I don't know where you are today, what you came in here with. I don't know if, if you are holding on to that past. There's a pain, there's a regret, a sin. And it's got a grip on you, and you, you need to let it go. 
this is a, a time, we're in a time of Lent, and it's a time where we reflect on what Jesus did for us. It's a time where we bring things and lay it at the feet of the cross. So whatever's in your past that, that just has a hold of you that you need to leave at that cross, I want you to think about that. And maybe it's the future and, and you just live and worry and fear, how am I going to make it? And today you, you just need to place your trust in Jesus. Or maybe it's, it's just the present. Like I, I just gotta get through today. I wanna enjoy where I'm at today. Maybe you're like me and, and you got something in your back pocket. There's something that, that's your go-to. And when things happen in your life, you, you aren't reaching for God first. You're reaching for whatever's in your back pocket. And you got to take it out of your back pocket right now. And you got to lift it up to God and give it to Him. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're in the middle of depression. And maybe your, your thoughts have taken to, you to really dark places. And you've had thoughts of not wanting to live anymore, thoughts of hurting yourself, thoughts of, of cutting yourself because you want to feel pain anywhere else in your body except where you feel it deep down in your soul. I understand because I've been there. I was a strong woman, full of faith, leading a ministry, raising five boys. And I found myself curled up on the bathroom floor, wanting to cut myself, wondering, how did I get here? Honestly, it doesn't matter how you got here. What matters is who is going to lift you out. Father God, I just thank you today. I thank you for I thank you for the new beginnings. I thank you for healing. I thank you for setting people free. I thank you for deliverance in this room today. Father, I thank you that we can take what's in our back pocket and we can hand it over to you and we can do it without shame because of the blood of Jesus that covers us. Father, we just, we just lift up everything we came in here with today. Our worries, our doubts, our, our pain, our past, our regrets, all the, the trouble that we have. Father, we lift it up to you. We don't hold on to it anymore. Today is a stake in the ground day. I'm not going back to the past. I am looking forward to the future. I'm going to believe in your promise. And today, I am set free. 
Father, I just thank you for surrendered hearts today. And right now in this moment, if you're like, man, I, I just need Jesus. Either you need Jesus for the first time or, or you just need to come back to him like I had to. To surrender, surrender your heart to him. Father, I just, I thank you for surrendered hearts. I thank you for salvation. And I thank you that today is a new day and a new beginning and that we're going to walk out of this place transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope the message you heard both encourages you and inspires you. Yeah, we'd love for you all to come and see us at Core Church at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can support you in any way or you'd like to get connected with us, there are links in the description below. Thanks again for joining us online.